Well, our sermon text will be taken from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. And as you turn there, because uh, some of you do not know me, it's been a minute since I've been here. I'm Cornelius Johnson, a Navy chaplain, and I've been filling in from time to time for Danny. I'd like to just thank Danny for the opportunity to uh, bring the word to you this morning. I'm stationed out in Coronado. Coronado, that's where I'm at now, doing hard time there. But um, it is a, a pleasure to be there. I'll be there between February and, and two years down the road. So we're still trying to make that determination. So I could retire or I could stay a couple more years. So we're still praying about that and seeing what God has to say regarding that. So that's just a little bit of an update. And uh, for those of you who are visiting for the first time, you have to come next week to hear Pastor Danny um, bring the word. Well, now, if you uh, have found 2 Timothy chapter 3, we will read uh, the whole chapter. And this is what the word of God says. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, Boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying his power, and from such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and made captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do, the, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapproved concerning the faith, but they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest to all as theirs also was. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystria, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. For evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and being assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be completely thoroughly, may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Amen. Lord, may the Lord add a blessing to his holy word. Amen. Let us seek the Lord's assistance in prayer. Lord, we do come to you thanking you for the praises of the songs this morning and for the worship and the reading and the liturgy. Now, Lord, we ask that you would be with us as we look into your holy word. Lord, we pray that uh, you would just give your people uh, spiritual eyes to listen, the spiritual ears to see, and a heart to receive the word of God. May the heart be, be 
tender so that it might be found on good ground. Lord, I pray that you remove hard-heartedness. Lord, and give me liberty and freedom to bring the word of God to your people. And so, Lord, uh, we pray that you would bind the evil one, Lord, who's always seeking to distract us with thoughts and sleep and all these other things. Lord, I pray that you would help us now. Assist us as we look into your word so that we might see you and see your beauty and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, as you look at the passage of Scripture, which I just read, uh, it makes us think, first and foremost, about really the end times. It makes us think about, as uh, Paul says, that these are the last days. It makes us really think about the last days. It makes us think about the return of Jesus Christ. For the last 40 or 50 years, the evangelical community has been really obsessed with finding out when Jesus is coming back. We see events that are taking place in Israel and in other places. Automatically, we think that perhaps it's the end times, perhaps that Jesus is on the way back. I came to faith in, uh, in, uh, uh, with Family Radio and Harold Camping, and, it, and right during that time, there was a prediction about the end of the world, and so we were obsessed with that. And oftentimes, we read the Bible, and we look at the Bible, and we say, we look at it to discover when Jesus will be returning and when uh, he comes back. And yet, Jesus tells us not to look at the book as a date book, not to look at the book as a, a book to discover when exactly the end will come. But he tells us that we have to live in this world. He tells us to occupy until he does come. Again, we're fascinated with the end times. If you want to write a book about the end times or or make a movie, I'm sure it would do very well because we want to know about the end. But the apostle Paul tells us today and Jesus tells us that there's enough that we have to be worried about and how to live in this world, how to live in perilous times. Uh, the apostle speaks to us about the last days. He says in the last days, we said last days, oh, that means that we're close, but um, the last days are really the Last days since Jesus ascended back up to heaven. This is the last period. The New Testament period is the last period. How long will that last? I'm not sure. And as we look at events, oftentimes we see events and we immediately interpret those events as if it, the imminent return of Christ. But Jesus says that the whole New Testament period will be a time of, of things that like earthquakes and famines and wars and rumors of wars. They've been going on that's doing out this whole period of time. And so the apostle tells us what it's going to be like in the last days in the New Testament period. Um, and so my first point this morning is the character, characteristics of the world during the New Testament period. And, this, and these verses that we read here uh, from verses 2 through uh, 4, are verses that can apply to pretty much any period of the New Testament time. And we can't go through all of these verses. We just don't have time to, all these things in verses 2 to 4. But I think, um, as John Calvin says, the first uh, 
sentence there, for men will be lovers of themselves, covers verses 2 through 4. That is the foundation, the root, that we are lovers of ourselves. Now, what does Paul mean by being lovers of ourselves? We just read in the gospel readings about love your neighbors as you love yourself. And so we all naturally love ourselves. What does it mean to love ourselves? There's people who say, well, I hate myself. I don't like myself. My problem is I don't love myself. Well, God has implanted within us the ability to love ourselves. Uh, what does it mean to love ourselves? Well, the second table of the law. Love your neighbors as yourself. We're going to protect our lives, aren't we? We're not, we don't want people stealing from us. We don't want people blaspheming us or people ruining our reputation. We don't want people killing us or, or lying to us and so on. That's what it means to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. At the same way that we protect ourselves, the same way that we care for ourselves, that's what we ought to do to our neighbors. So when Paul says here that we are lovers of self, it means that basically we only live to please ourselves and not consider others. We love ourselves exclusively. We love ourselves to the exclusion of others. The motto of the world is if it feels good, do it. As long as it's not hurting anyone, do it. And isn't this the spirit of our age? Isn't this the spirit of our times? The obsession with self? The exception of, of, of thinking of ourselves, loving ourselves, caring about ourselves, consumed by ourselves. We live to please ourselves and only ourselves. And we only care about people as long as they make us feel happy, make us feel good. All we do, we do for ourselves. This is what the Apostle Paul has in mind here. Lovers of self, where we are ourselves, we worship ourselves, we love ourselves, we idolize ourselves, all that we do, we do to boast of ourselves and to please ourselves. And that's what the Apostle Paul has in mind here when he talks about lovers of ourselves. We love money. Why? Because it helps us to love ourselves more. Boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, kids. That's my, one of the first questions I have for you there. That's a, when you're disobedient to your parents, it's the spirit of loving yourself. In other words, you're saying that myself is more important than listening to my parents. I want what I want. I want to do as I please. I don't want to do the dishes. I don't want to clean up. I don't want to clean my room. Instead, I want to love myself and do as I please and do what I want. This is what human nature says. It's the spirit of the age. This is the way that we live. Disobedient to parents. Uh, Self-control. Uh, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, unthankful, unholy. Again, we're unthankful. Why? Because when we love ourselves, we'll never be thankful because it's never enough. People always uh, can never do enough. The more we get, the more we want, and we're not grateful, we're not thankful. Again, the spirit of this age, traitors. Again, we're not loyal to anyone, not loyal to our family, to our country, or whatever. All we care about is ourselves. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Indeed, this is the spirit of this age. This is the way we live. This is the way we are taught from the beginning about ourselves, me, myself, and I. This, the new age theology, right? That we are all gods. We're all many gods, and we should all be worshipped as gods. We should all be pleased as God. And I only like you as long as you 
uh, please me, as long as you care for me. And if you are not taking care of me, of taking care of my needs, feeding my ego, not loving me, not caring about me, then therefore I have to get rid of you. Indeed, this is the spirit of the age. And all of us, if we're honest, we struggle with these things, even as Christians. Because, yes, we have a new nature, but we still have that remaining sin in us. That remaining sin, and oftentimes we find the difficulties of fights between spouses and friends and so on. We can look at this because we still struggle with these things as well. We still have problems with these. And that's why God has to continue to sanctify us. The war that's going on between the old and the new man. But this is the spirit of the age and this is the spirit in which we live. Where we live only for self. Only to care about self and to please self. So that's the first point. The second characteristic that Paul teaches here is false teachers. Verses 5 through 7. False teachers. Where he talks about having a form of godliness but denying its power. In other words, these false teachers, they, are, they speak of God. They talk about God. They talk about some Bible verses. But they deny the true gospel. They deny the truth of the word of God. And he says that they lead away gullible women loaded down with sins. They lead away people loaded down with sins. All of us are loaded down with sins, and all of us are easy to be led away. Why? Because we're gullible. We don't know the word of God or the truth of God. And today with social media, we have access to all types of false teachers and false prophets that come through our iPhones, our iPads, our laptops, our televisions, and so on. It's amazing the people we listen to today, the people who have a form of godliness but deny the true power of it. What you listen to is what you believe. What you spend your time listening to, you're the disciple of that. And so the Apostle Paul talks about this, that these false teachers here are able to lead gullible women, gullible people loaded down with sins. And that's the reason why we have problems with lovers of money and boasters and proud because of what these false teachers teach. And they're always learning, never able to come to the truth, never stable, never solid, never rooted in the word of God, always learning something new, but never the truth. You ever seen that where some people, one day they believe one thing, the next day they believe another thing, even in theology. One day they're legalists, the next day uh, you know, where they don't believe that you can do anything, you can't, uh, you know, they're very legalistic and very rigid. And then the next day, they're antinomian, where anything goes, where you don't have to be holy and so on. They're never able to come to the truth, always learning something, and, but they resist the truth. And these are what the characteristic of false teachers and what people speak today. They're profane. They are selfish. And yet, so many people fall under them. So many people listen to them. So many people follow them. Even today, those who have a name, those who, who claim to be somebody, we follow them. It's amazing how silly they speak and the more we listen to. And yet when it comes to the truth, we immediately deny it. We say that it's not the truth. And Paul even mentions Jan Janus and Jambres. They were... Um, 
Back in Moses' day, they resisted. And when Moses did the miracle before Pharaoh, they were there to also do a miracle. And they resisted the truth. And the people of God, the church has always had those who resisted the truth. They were corrupt minds, disapproving concerning the faith. Well, Paul says, what happens to these people? In verse 9, he says, they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest to all. In other words, they will be exposed and God will get rid of them. The false teachers and false prophets, they have a time, but they don't last very long. And he says there back in verse 5, and from such people turn away. We have to be careful what we listen to. We have to be careful who we follow. We have to be careful even with our podcast and the things that we listen to. Why? Because what you listen to influences the way you believe, influences the way you walk, influences the way you talk, and so on. And so the Apostle Paul is warning Timothy about these things. He's telling us what will be the last days, what it's going to be like during this time. There will always be false teachers and false prophets and so on. And that leads to my third point, my final point, the characteristics of the believer. He says in verse 10, he says, but you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance. So what does Paul tell Timothy to do? To go up into the mountains and wait till the Lord comes back? To get away from the filth of this world? To move this church out of Carlsbad? No. He says, even in this world where there'll be lovers of themselves, lovers of monies, boasters, proud, blasphemers, he says, do this, what you've always been doing. Whatever you're doing, when you're following God, keep following him. He says, why? Because you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, long suffering. In other words, Timothy, you haven't done but you have not been following the spirit of the world. You have been following the spirit of Christ. You've been doing what I've seen. You have followed me, my manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering. And if you're here this morning and you made a profession of faith, this is what you have been doing. And so Paul reminds Timothy of his foundation, of his root, he says, you even saw my persecutions and afflictions. What happened at Antioch and, and Iconium and Lystra? You've seen what persecutions I've endured. You've seen it all. You have been there, and you still have followed me. And you know that, yes, all who desires to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. That's what Paul tells us. He tells Timothy that. And through the Spirit of God, he's telling you this as well. Yes, if you live godly in Christ Jesus, you will suffer some form of persecution. Now, in America, we have the Constitution, of freedom of religious, freedom of religion and religious liberty and so on. We're not in other countries where they are worshiping in fear of being killed or being put in prison. You know, there are there are Christians all over this country who are in concentration camps and prison and, and those who are in fear of their lives because they're living godly in Christ Jesus. 
But even in America, things can change. And even today, maybe it's not to the extent of other countries, but if you live godly in Christ Jesus, someone's not going to like it. A family member, a friend, a co-worker, a boss, a neighbor, someone is not going to like it. And you could suffer persecution. If you live godly in this world, in this wicked world, in this world consumed by self and lovers of self and so on, if you don't, as Peter says, they think it's strange that you do not run the way they run. You do not engage in the things they engage in. They're offended by you. He says in verse 13, but evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse. Why will the godly suffer persecution? Because evil people grow worse and worse. That's why. Because sin always trends downward. Sin always makes it worse. In the military, I, it's interesting, kids, watching those 18 to 25-year-olds, they, they still have a tenderness to them. Their hearts are tender. There's something about that they're much more receptive to the gospel. But when you talk to people over 25, 30, 40 years, and they've been hardened in sin, it's totally different. Not that God doesn't save people in 30, 40, he does. But there's a big difference. And the devil will tell you, young people, go ahead and enjoy your life now and come back later. And he told me that. And I listened to him. <laughs> but here's the problem with that. Sin always hardens. And the devil realizes that the more you sin, the more hardened you will become. And our salvation is dependent upon God, upon Christ. And when God's spirit is Working in you, do not resist that, but come to him while it's day, because you have no idea. Many people in hell now, because they believe the devil, go have fun and then come back. God will always be there. But the problem with sin is that it makes us worse. And as Paul says here, that we become deceived and we're deceiving Evil men and apostles grow worse and worse. And so what is Paul telling Timothy? What, what should he do? In verse 14, you must continue. That's what God is telling you this morning. In this evil world, in everything that you see, in these perilous times where we don't know what's going to take place, whether it's going to be war or famine or what is taking place, he says you continue in the faith, in the things which you have learned and been assured of and knowing from whom you have learned them. Children, who taught Paul the scriptures? His mother did. His parents. And when your parents talk to you about the word of God, listen. Why? Because that's your foundation. And so God tells us, we got to continue. We got to continue in the faith. We got to keep moving. Maybe you feel discouraged this morning. Maybe you are feeling a little downtrodden. Maybe you feel like, is it really worth it? Is it really worth it to be a Christian? The world is having fun. They look like they're having a blast. They're out there unloving, unforgiving, slanderous. They're um, lovers of self and so on. But the apostle tells Timothy, you must continue in the things which you have learned. Yes, we believe in the preservation of the saints, but God uses means to do that. And how does he do that? 
by us persevering, by us continuing. It says in Hebrews and Colossians, these things are ours if we continue in the faith. It says in, uh, Jesus says what? It says, he who endures to the end shall be saved. You got to continue. You got to keep moving forward. You have to keep going forward. And what, and what you've learned in practicing what your doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, this is a, a rut, a marathon. This is a journey. I mean, Christians start out so well. But it's a day-to-day -day grind, this Christianity, isn't it? It's a grind every day. Every day we have to be watchful. Every day we have to be careful. Every day there's afflictions, there's trials, there's jobs, there's money, there's health, there's sickness and all these things. But he says continue on in the faith. Why? Because it's wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. What happens to the people in verses 2 to 4? Without Christ, they will meet a horrible end. They will die in their sins. But God has granted us eternal life. And then God gives us one thing, as I close, that will help us to continue on. What is it? Is it dreams? Is it visions? Is it some um, great experience that takes place? No, he says he gives us the scriptures. That's what he will give you to move on. The scriptures. You say, oh, the scriptures. No, not the Bible. Is it the Bible? You know, I hear this all the time. Well, you know, chaplain, that Bible. Yeah, I mean, perhaps when Paul was around, we had the right Bible, the right scriptures. But it's been 2,000 years since Jesus died. How do we know this is the Bible? You know, kings and queens and princesses and all these other people have changed the scriptures. How do we know we got the right Bible? We might have something totally different. And then there's movies about and books written about the lost gospels. How do we know they're not the gospels? How do we know that we have the right scriptures? Well, what does Paul tell us? All scriptures given by inspiration of God. In other words, the scriptures are breathed out by God. Oh, you're using this term to prove that the Bible is true? Absolutely, because the Bible is self-attesting. God testifies it. And then consider this. You'll do some research on the formation of the Bible. Do you realize that in the New Testament alone, there are 5,500 different fragments and sources of the gospel in the New Testament. 5,500. You know what that means? That means that Bible scholars and, and those who are um, uh, experts in this can go and compare and see what is the truth and what is not. And some of these sources, some of them were 50 years after Christ died. 100, 200 years after Christ. That's not a long time. You think of the Civil War. You think of the Revolutionary War. You think of all these wars. And were we there? No. How do we know anything unless we see it or someone tells us? Did we say oh, there's no Revolutionary War? That didn't happen. Well, that's foolish. Why? Because of all the 
documentation, all the sources, and so on. And it's the same with the Holy Scriptures. It's interesting that right after the, the, um, the apostles died in the church fathers, the, the Gospels were read immediately in the churches. And they were immediately um, accepted as the word of God. Why? Because they came from the apostles. So what we have here is the word of God preserved, protected by the Lord. And he's given it to us. And do you realize that this Bible, people died for this Bible. The, 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 the Roman Catholic Church did not want people to get this Bible. The last thing they wanted was for the average person to get this Bible. William Tyndale, father of the English Bible, says he wanted everyone to get the scriptures, to read it, to see it. He was a martyr for it. People died for this Bible. The devil used all types of people to keep people from hearing the word of God. And yet today we have Bibles aplenty. If you don't have a Bible, it's your fault. You can get a Bible for free uh, pretty much anywhere. If you got a phone or iPad or app, whatever you got, I mean, there's Bibles aplenty. And yet, as a people, we're very ignorant when it comes to the scriptures. We don't read it. We have all these Bibles. We have them on podcasts. We have it uh, on our phones and so on. And yet, as a whole, people are ignorant when it comes to the word of God. What a tragedy that is. But the apostle says that God has given this Bible to us. He says all scripture is given by inspiration of God. In other words, it's God breathed. God speaks to us. God talks to us daily, every day. And what it gives us is profitable for what? Doctrine, reproof, correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. God talks to us every time you open up this Bible. He's speaking to you. Husband and wife, suppose you guys just stop speaking to each other. Or suppose co-workers did not speak to each other or boss didn't speak to their subordinates and so on. What would that do? That would be a disaster, wouldn't it? We communicate. We talk to each other. And so God talks to us. And God has given us everything so that we can continue on in this Bible. Is the Bible the easiest book to read? No, it's not. But God gives us his Holy Spirit to help us. This Bible should be our best friend, our companion. It's a tragedy that we listen to so many other things, but we spend so little time in the scriptures. Here's a book that gives you comfort, gives you peace, gives you joy, gives you hope, lets you see about the future, despite what we hear on the news and on the media, that there's a God up in heaven that's in control of all this, that God has everything, that our Lord neither slumbers nor sleeps, that our God is on the throne, that nothing catches him off guard, that he is Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, that he is always present. He is there 
to help us and to assist us, that he's not wringing his hands, that he's not concerned or he's not cared, that he says that the world is vanity, less than vanity, like dust on the scales, like grasshoppers. He says, have you not known? Have you not heard? Have you not seen? That is he who sits above the heavens of the circles of the earth. It is he who controls everything. It is he who rules everything. Should we be afraid? Should we be scared? Not when our God is in heaven. Not when our God is there. Not when our God is there as a very present help in times of trouble. He is there to guide us, to care for us, to help us through this word. Cherish this word. Read this word. Follow this word. Yes, the Bible is not politically correct. The word of God will tell you your problem. Your problem is that you are a sinner. That's why people don't like it, because it doesn't please our ego. Matter of fact, it wants to destroy our ego, destroy ourself. It takes away our self-love, our self-hope, our self-esteem, and it tells us that we are nothing before God, that we're desperately wicked, and that our hope is in Jesus Christ, that Jesus is what we need. That, and that's why he tells us to lose our lives, to lose ourselves, to set ourselves apart, aside, and to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put off the deeds of the world and put on Jesus. That's what God tells us to do. And that's what this Bible is. That's what this word of God tells us. And this is the word of God that will bring us to heaven. This is the word of God that will encourage us. Not only reading the word, but hearing the word preached. When you come here, you want to hear about Jesus. What does Jesus have for us today? There's sermons all on sermon audio and on YouTube and so on that talk about the word of God that is preached, the word of God that is read, and so on. All of these great resources are for us that God has blessed us. Let us avail ourselves of them. God has given us all that we need because the word of God is the word of God. The presence of God goes before us. He speaks to us through his word. Let us respect his word. Let us look to his word. This is the thing that we need, the word of God. The word of God tells us to run to Christ, cling to Christ. Jesus says that the scriptures speak of him. From Genesis to Revelation, all scriptures given by inspiration of God for reproof, for correction, and instruction that you may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Well, God calls upon you to continue. Continue what? With his word in your mind and your heart. Pray for discernment. Pray for wisdom. Ask that what you listen to, is it bringing you closer to God or farther from God? May God bless us as we continue in this, this journey, as we continue in our afflictions, but remember what Paul says, when he was getting ready to die, I fought the good fight, I finished the race. There's a crown of glory laid out before us. Our time is short. There's not much time left in our lives. Whether Jesus comes back or not, the day is far spent. Soon we'll be in eternity. This word of God is wise unto salvation. Let us follow it, and it will take us to glory. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the encouragement to continue on. Lord, we do get discouraged. We are prone to wander. Lord, we feel it, prone to leave the God that we love. Lord, we pray by your spirit that you will incline us and help us and encourage us to follow you 
to continue in the lives that we're living. Let us not be discouraged by what we see, but let us look to you, the author and finisher of our faith. In Jesus' name, amen.